Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, where we help you to build a life of purpose and joy. Our aim is to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence. I'm your host, Julie Clough, life coach and certified grief recovery specialist. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 54, Limiting Beliefs. I don't know if you can hear my little dog in the background. I'm not quite sure what she's smelling, but she's sniffing all over the room and her little tags are are jingling and it's probably quiet enough that you can't hear it on the mic, but she uh, she's named, she is a she and she's named Scout and it's because of the book To Kill a Mockingbird. I don't know if you read that book or if you remember that book, but it made quite an impression on me when I was when I was younger and when I was in high school or junior high, whenever it was that I read it. And just that whole idea of how we look at the world and how we look at other people. Anyway, I found it really fascinating. So it's always been a book that's been a favorite of mine. And so I named my little multi poo Scout. And it throws people off because she is a girl. But anyway, she is adorable. And I enjoy having her as my little companion in the house in my home office when she can be quiet. Sometimes she can't be quiet. So anyway, I I wanted to start out today talking a little bit about before we get into limiting beliefs, because that's what the subject of our episode today is. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the difference between grief and grief recovery and personal development. When Grief recovery and personal development are really two different things, part of a continuum, I guess is the way I see it. So when we've experienced a loss, our first order of business is to do the work of grief recovery. And that doesn't mean, sometimes when I say that, sometimes I, I wonder if people think, oh, if I just do X, Y, and Z, then I'm recovered. And it's not quite the way it works because it, you know, I, I've talked about this before and I'll talk about it again, but I, I, it's that when we compare it to a physical injury, we have to do the work to, like we go to the doctor or we take the medications or we, we put ourselves in a position where we're resting so that we can heal. So there's, there's certain things that we do in order to set ourselves up for healing. And then there's the healing process that takes place. So when I talk about grief recovery, that's what I'm talking about, but totally different than personal development in that there are specific steps. There are specific things that we on our own wouldn't think of to do to recover from the grief and the pain of a loss. And then after we, after we take those steps, after we do the work of overcoming our grief itself, then we can start looking at personal development. Then we can look at the things. What do we want to do? What is our, what does our future want to look like? I just did an interview for another podcast this morning and I was talking about that very thing that one of the things that got me into being a life coach, doing this podcast, all of it. One of the first things that got me into it was that after my kids died and when I, when I got to that point where I had done the work, you know, I'd worked with people, I had, I had read, I had studied and I had help. When I got to the point where I was feeling better and feeling like I could take on my life again, then I wanted to look at like, what do I want to do now? And it also corresponded 
pretty closely with my kids growing up and starting to leave home, which is a whole different transition. So there was a lot of thoughts in my brain about what I wanted to do next. And I wasn't, I was struggling. I was honestly struggling to figure out what that looked like because the things that I had wanted to do before were different then I I just didn't have an interest in that anymore. And so I had to figure out what I wanted to do next. So that's kind of what led me to this. But then I realized there's the work that has to come before that. The, The grief recovery work is totally different than personal development. We cannot personal develop ourselves out of grief. Those things help and they, they help us to feel different, but they don't solve the problem of grief. There's, we, we really do have to look at the specific loss, the specific relationship and do the work to, to, uh, to get that done. So anyway, I just kind of wanted to say that up front because I tend to, when I talk about these things, I talk on a broad range of subjects from grief to personal development. So I just wanted to make it clear that personal development and grief recovery are not the same thing. They are different things, but they can, they complement each other in that grief recovery helps us to get to that place where we feel better and we feel like we can start to move forward. And then personal development helps us in that quest for what we want next. Because I think as humans, we just, we want to progress. We just have a desire to progress. And I think it's one of the reasons why grief is so hard because there's this internal need to progress, but then there's the opposing force of grief that keeps us from progressing and, and keeps us kind of stuck in that progression mode. Although I will say when, when we do, the work, when we, when we take the action, when we, when we have a desire to heal and we look for healing and we get the help that we need, boy, when we get on the other side, we realize how much we've grown. It's so hard to see in the middle of it, but when we think we're not progressing, we truly are because we're learning and growing all along. All right. Enough of that. <laughs> Let's get on with limiting beliefs because before we know it, the podcast will be over and I won't have even talked about it. So here we go. Limiting beliefs get us because like, let's talk about limiting beliefs. You know, what is a limiting belief? It's, it's something that, that, that also keeps us stuck. It's this idea, like we do something we regret and it morphs into, I always do the wrong thing. Now, just because we did something we regret doesn't equate to, I always do the wrong thing. We, if we thought about it, we know it's totally not true, but we've gotten into the bad habit of thinking of ourselves that way. Limiting beliefs can get us without our even realizing what's going on. Limiting beliefs uh, can be a powerful deterrent to achieving what we want in life. What, what happens too often is when we say, when we ask somebody, I see this all the time, when we ask somebody what they want, they say they want to be happy. But there really is more to that question than that. So it's super important that we are aware of our limiting beliefs. We, we need to watch for the signs of limiting beliefs and work on changing our words. And when we work on changing our words, 
we change our thoughts, we change our feelings so that we can take the steps we want to, to do the things we want to, which leads to happiness. So it's not the, we think of happiness as a destination. It's really not a destination. It's a, it's a, it's a frame of mind. It's a, it's a mindset. It's a, it's a way of thinking and being. That's what happiness is. And so when we think about limiting beliefs, limiting beliefs can stand between us and our happiness. And we, I've talked about beliefs before. I saw this definition uh, recently that says your belief system is the invisible force behind your behavior. Back on episode 40, I talked about beliefs and I, and I, and in that episode, I talked a lot about the beliefs around grief. In this episode, we're going to talk more generally about limiting beliefs. Or you could say we're going to talk more specifically about limiting beliefs because we're going to, we're going to focus in on limiting beliefs. A belief is a thought that we think repeatedly. That's, that's really what it is. In some of my research that I did for the last episode on forgiving yourself and others, I came across this quote which is why I felt inspired to do this episode. So here's the quote, and it's from the Psychology Today article, How to Forgive Yourself and Move On from the Past. And this is the quote, when we've done something we regret, we often connect it to a limiting belief like, I'm always saying the wrong things, or I'll never be able to cover my bills. So that quote when I, when I read that quote, I thought, boy, we need to talk about this because I have found myself saying things like, oh, I'm a mess. Like something happens or I'll forget something and I'll say, oh, I'm a mess. Or I'll say, I'm falling apart or I can't get my act together. Boy, that is not good. And if you hear yourself using phrases like that, that is not good. Those are powerfully unhelpful messages. And it's hints to what's going on in our subconscious. So when we hear ourselves saying things like that, the radar should go off. The the buzzer, the you know, whatever you want to visualize, it should go off and say cancel, cancel, cancel. We are not accepting that message today. Limiting beliefs can start with things like I do or I don't, I can't, I must or I mustn't. I am or I'm not. Now, those phrases on their own are okay, but it's what comes after the phrase. So a limiting belief is a thought. It's a belief is a thought that we think over and over, right? So a limiting belief is a thought that informs our decisions and limits our ability to progress. So let's take a look at I do and I don't. We define ourselves by what we think that we do the way that we see ourselves and what we do and we don't do. Let's talk about I am or I'm not. So things like I'm a mechanic or I'm not a mechanic or I'm mechanical as as better statement. If you've ever had to put together, you get this vacuum cleaner, let's say, or I'm trying to think of what you would get in a box where you have to, you have to put some things together and then you have the little instructions and there, there are people that will say, I am not mechanical. And so they, they limit themselves by saying, I'm not mechanical. So what happens when they say that? They don't even attempt to do it. They don't look at the instructions. They don't try to put it together. They don't try to look at the pieces. 
it just stops the progress right there. Or I'm athletic or I'm not athletic. So if we think in terms of like saying I'm athletic might sound like a good thing and it can be, but it's, it's not a good thing when we limit ourselves, when we say, well, I can't be a musician because I'm an athlete. Does that make sense? So I'm not athletic is another thing where it just stops us right there. When we say I'm not athletic, anything that has anything to do with physical movement, we resist. Or what about a statement like, I'm a bore, or I'm not smart, or I'm not capable? Do you see how those statements can really, really stop us? And so we had to really be careful. Anytime we hear that kind of a statement coming out of our mouth, or even if it's not coming out of our mouth, even if we're practicing it in our head, pay attention, notice it. I can't is another signal that we think our abilities are fixed and that we can't learn things. If you've read the book, Mindset, The New Psychology of Success by Carol Dweck. She, that whole book is all about the mindset of the fixed mindset versus the growth mindset. In fact, one of the subtitles of her book is how we can learn to fulfill our potential. Isn't that interesting? So she is identifying basically in this book, if you, if you look at it this way, the whole book is about limiting beliefs because it's, it's all about how when we fix our mindset and say that we, we, you know, I'm not athletic or I'm not smart or I'm not capable. When we say those things, we limit our potential and therefore we're unable to fulfill our potential. So, and, and interestingly, she says how we can learn to fulfill our potential. So she defines the fixed mindset versus the growth mindset. And this is from her book. I'm just going to quote a couple of sentences here. A fixed mindset comes from the belief that your qualities are carved in stone. Who you are is who you are, period. In the fixed mindset, everything is about the outcome. If you fail or if you're not the best, it's all, a, it's all been a waste. And then she talks about the growth mindset. She says the growth mindset allows people to value what they're doing regardless of the outcome. They're tackling problems, charting new courses, working on important issues. Maybe they haven't found the cure for cancer, but the search was deeply meaningful. In fact, studies show that people are terrible at estimating their abilities. The, the passion for stretching yourself and sticking to it even or especially when it's not going well, is the hallmark of the growth mindset. This is the mindset that allows people to thrive during some of the most challenging times in their lives. Boy, if I can't think of a more challenging time in our life than a catastrophic loss, it's uh, it makes sense to work towards a growth mindset, a trial and error, a keep going despite the odds. Uh, I'm going to make it mindset. Those are super important for us to recognize. So when we use a phrase like I can't, when we use a phrase like I can't, not only is it a limiting belief, but it also creates that fixed mindset. It's basically saying I can't, therefore I can't learn. I can't, therefore I can't try. The, a fixed mindset says we are who we are. We know what we know and that's it. And with a fixed mindset, a new challenge 
For example, like a major loss and, and tremendous grief shuts us down. If we believe we are fixed in this place with this ability, with no ability to learn and grow, we will not work toward overcoming. We have a belief that we can't win because we don't have what it takes. But really what it means is it's not that we don't have what it takes. It's that we have, we can have the ability. The growth mindset is we can have the ability to learn and grow to have what it takes. Because honestly, it's not even possible to have what it takes at the time of every challenge in our life. What if we weren't meant to have what it takes at the time of a challenge? What if it's meant to be just that, a challenge? A growth mindset reminds us that we have the ability and in fact, the desire to learn and grow. Not having the answers yet doesn't stop us. We have a hope for the future, a knowledge that there is more and that we are a we are capable of achieving more, of understanding more, of overcoming our challenges, and that our challenges are a catalyst for growth and improved strength. I started this new exercise routine. Um, a friend of mine started has a Pilates studio, and I started to go over there. And over the years, I've been more involved in sports, and so this is a, a whole new experience for me. And I've only been a few times, and I can assure you that I am terrible at it, which right there, you could say, that's a limiting belief. Well, yeah, it is. <laughs> But I have had this belief for years and years and years since I was a child that I'm not flexible because I saw other people doing back bends and splits and all that. And, and I just was never, I, I never gained that skill. And yet when I, a few years ago, as an adult, I swam on a swim team and my kids were on the swim team and they had an adult, uh, they had adults swimming on the teams. They had an adult, um, category. What do you call that? Anyway, yeah, age group, I guess is what they call it. So I swam on the swim team and mostly I just practiced with them, but I found out that I was more flexible than some of my other adult swim team members. And that was a shock to me because in my mind, I was always, my thought was always, I'm not flexible. And the truth is right now, compared to a lot of people, or maybe compared to the people that are in a Pilates class, I'm not very flexible. But that doesn't mean that I can't be. That's the difference. Changing that thought from I'm not flexible to I'm becoming more and more flexible every day is so much more hopeful and helpful. It's such a better way of looking at things we're always going to have things in front of us that we don't quite know how to overcome or how to navigate grief included. And just having this, having the thought that we can learn and we can learn how to overcome is huge. The other phrase that can kind of get us stuck is that I must or I mustn't. There are rules, there are laws, there are values that we live by. But when we use I must or I mustn't, we are not choosing. We are basically allowing someone else or some other value system to make a decision for us. For example, a stay-at-home mom, let's let's just talk about that. If a stay-at-home mom says, I must stay at home in order for my kids to be happy, 
she's basically saying that someone else outside of her, a value system or a, a culture is making that decision for her. You totally lose your power when you say, I must do whatever it is. The reality is that she wants a certain outcome, so she's choosing what she's doing. So a working mother might say, I must go to work to put food on the table. Again, she wants food on the table. She wants clothing. She wants a a shelter for her family. She wants the good things in life. She wants a car. She wants to vacation. Instead of saying, I must go to work, you you can choose to say, I choose to go to work in order to have the things that I have. As women, we sometimes feel like the condition of our home reflects on us. I know I have felt that way. And we might be tempted to say, I have to keep the house clean. Do you really? I mean, really, do you really? Of course not. What we want is the clean house. We want the clean house. So to say, I have to clean the house, we don't have to clean the house, but we don't like the alternative. The alternative to not cleaning the house is having a messy house and we don't want to live in a messy house. So let's just be real with ourselves. Let's take back the power and say, I want a clean house. I choose to clean my house. And we choose instead of saying, I must or I have to. If we looked at each of these statements, we can see that we're actually choosing these things. We're actually choosing them because we want the outcome that we're saying that, that we must do this in order to have this outcome. The reality is we want that outcome. And if we don't want that outcome, we choose something else. But if we want that outcome, then we're making choices to, to work towards that outcome. If the outcome comes not important to us, then, then why are we saying that we must do something? Really look at the must, I have tos in our life. Like really look at that. I, I find myself saying that all the time. I have to do this. I have to do that. And the reality is like, you know, I have to go to my Pilates class or I have to go to the grocery store or anything that's on my schedule. And I say, I have to, the reality is those are things I want to do. That's why they're on my schedule. So saying I have to is really disempowering. I had a woman for a short time. Well, let me back up for a short time. I was a single mom with three young children and Every once in a while, I would get some bizarre comment from someone. And one day, this woman came up to me and she said, do you work because you have to or because you want to? I I just was flabbergasted that anybody would come up and say that to me. But she she was basically saying, you've got three young children. What are you doing? You know, and the question felt super rude and impertinent. But I replied, I work because I have to and because I have to, I want to. And I could have just as easily just said, I work because I want to, because that was the reality. I wanted to, I wanted to be able to provide for my family. I wanted to, I actually really enjoyed my job and I really enjoyed the challenge. And I, I enjoyed the, all the, the people that I worked with and the work that I was doing. I really, really enjoyed it. So there's, there's been just a few times in my life when I answered a, an un- impolite question with just the right answer. And this was one of those times where I look back and I go, boy, that was good. You know, I, 
anybody could look at the situation and say, well, she has to, but, but so much better to say, I want to, you know, I could say I have to, but do I really, I didn't have to, I truly wanted to, I didn't, if I didn't, I would have moved in with my parents or somebody else. Honestly, somebody could take my kids away. I mean, I mean, that's how, if you really think about it, we don't want those outcomes. We want to work so we can provide. That was the outcome that I wanted. So to say I have to is really disingenuous. Really watch for the I have to's or I must do this or that or the other. Because in all honesty, we don't have to. We want to because we want the outcome that we're working towards. And if you don't, change what you're doing. So why do we have limiting beliefs? A lot of it just comes down to our personal experience, especially our experiences as as children. Some of those things that just got programmed in us because of what we saw, or even, even the way we interpreted experiences that weren't accurate. You know, we can all look back and go and, and think of how many of you have, have you ever had that experience where you're, you're singing a song and, and when you were young, you thought the words were a certain thing, but then as you got older, you were like, Oh my gosh, what am I singing? That was not even halfway accurate. So our experiences as children, sometimes we just, we didn't have the maturity to, interpret the situation correctly. So we created some limiting beliefs around that. Sometimes it's our education. Sometimes it's just the things that we were taught. Or sometimes our limiting excuses are or limiting beliefs, I should say, are excuses. Sometimes they're excuses. Like saying, I'm not flexible. I could use that as an excuse not to exercise. I could use that as an excuse not to try this new class. And fear, fear is a big thing that can really create some limiting beliefs. In episode 40, I talked about beliefs. I talked about changing beliefs. And so I'm not going to repeat all that here, but it's super important that we're just aware and we, we hear those statements that we so commonly say just out of habit and that we start to recognize those and figure out what we want to do differently. So I would, I would encourage you to go back and listen to 40. And as I talk about, you know, the first step is recognizing it and, and then figuring out what we want to think differently, how we want to think differently, how we want to talk about it differently. If we haven't talked yet, if you are suffering from grief or you have a goal that's in front of you that you're trying to figure out how in the world you're going to get there and we haven't talked yet, please reach out. I've created a new page for you to go to. It's super, super easy for you to get on there and set an appointment. And we're going to sit down and you're going to have an opportunity to tell me what's going on and have somebody, you know, I'm here to listen. I'm going to listen. And then I'm going to ask you some questions and we're going to, we're going to figure out what it means, you know, what it is you really want. Because so often, like, we say we want to be happy, but we really have to kind of figure out what that means in order to get there. In order to, we, sometimes we think happiness is just something that happens to us when in reality, it's something that we work towards or not even towards. I shouldn't say because happiness can is, can be with us all along the way. Anyway, if we haven't talked, go to buildalifeafterloss.com. 
backslash talk, T-A-L-K. Again, that's buildalifeafterloss.com backslash talk. I look forward to talking to you. Get on there now and set your appointment. It's free to you. There's no cost at all. It'll be an enjoyable time to kind of talk about where you're at and where you want to be. Have a wonderful week. Remember, I believe in you. Love you. Bye.